Well, good evening. Turn, if you would, tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Felt like a singspiration there for a little bit, didn't it, tonight? <laughs> so, all right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. Lord, thank you for the beautiful uh, weather you gave us today. It's just uh, nice to have a, a change in things. I pray that you'd help us tonight to uh, give attention to your word. Lord, I pray that you'd bless it. Uh, for each of us, obviously, who will be hearing it tonight, I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I know that most of you know this, but uh, some of you, it may be a little cloudy, it may be a little foggy as to what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, so I just want to remind us very quickly that uh, we've spent several weeks now in chapter 15, and we have watched as the Apostle Paul has dealt with and addressed the subject of the resurrection. The reason for that is because there were those in the church who had come to the conclusion that when a person died, that was it, that was the uh, totality of their existence and that there would be nothing more after this life. And so the Apostle Paul had challenged their logic. He showed them how faulty their logic was. He showed them that if there is no resurrection of the saints, then that means there was no resurrection of Christ, and that was not something they were ready to accept or ready to believe. And so as we've worked our way through all this, we found a couple of weeks ago that the Apostle Paul basically declared that the reason, in part, that they had come to these faulty conclusions in their doctrine was because of evil communications or bad relationships. He said in verse number 33, Be not deceived, evil communications or bad relationships. They corrupt, they ruin, they destroy good manners or good ways of life. And then last week in verse number 34, we watched as he told them they needed to stop living a life of sin. And he said they needed to awake to righteousness. They needed to start doing right. They needed to sober up, get their head on straight, stop living in the sin of false doctrine that they were living in. He said there were some who did not know God, who did not understand who he was. And he said it was in part because of their manner of life. And he said they ought to be ashamed. And so last week I tried to remind us that the principle is the same. No matter what sin it may be that we begin to get comfortable with in our lives, that whenever we are comfortable with sin, it is always going to obstruct our testimony. You and I cannot afford to get comfortable with sin in our lives because it will obstruct our testimony, it will give the wrong picture to, to the lost world who does not know God, and we ought to be embarrassed if that is true of us. It ought to shame us, it ought to humiliate us to the point that we would actually awake to righteousness, that we would get our head put on straight, that we would begin to do what is right, and walk in obedience. So that's what we've talked about up to this point. Tonight we're going to uh, deal with several verses, and we're going to skip several verses, and there's a reason why we're skipping several verses, and it's because it's not entirely critical and crucial to the message tonight. But before we get started, I want to talk about something that I know you don't care about, but it illustrates the point of where we're headed in the message tonight. Tonight, if you were to come by our house... What you would notice if you were to look at our yard is this, is that we have got several bare spots where grass is currently not growing. So over the years, because I'm not very good with the yard, over the years, here's what I have done. I have tried to get grass to grow in these bare spots, and here's what I have done, and it would work, I'm sure, if I was a little bit smarter and a little bit more diligent with the effort that I was putting into the yard, but over the years, here's what I have done. I have gone to the store, 
do a little bit of free advertising, to A&T. And I have said to the lady there in the greenhouse, I am looking to get some grass to grow in my yard. And you know where she directs me? She directs me to this bin or to these shelves with different bins of seeds on those shelves. You understand this, right? I need to grow some grass in these bare spots in my yard. I go to the store. I tell the lady I need to buy some grass or I need to get the the bare patches fixed. I, I want the grass to grow there. She takes me to these shelves where there are bins of seed. And then you know what she asked me? What kind of grass do you want to grow? Now for me, my immediate thought is the green kind. Because I don't really know the difference in what kind of grass. And so I've been asked, well, do you have Bermuda? Do you have bluegrass? Do you have this? Do you have this? And I just, I think it's Bermuda. I don't know. Again, it's green and it's tall and we mow it about every 10 days. That's what we've got. But see, there's, there, there, there's a principle in there that I want us to think about, and that is this. It matters what seeds you buy. Because what you buy by way of seed will, if everything goes right, transform itself eventually into a particular kind of grass. You understand this? So if I get Bermuda seed and I plant that, somehow that seed is going to plant or grow Bermuda grass. But if I buy something that is fescue or something else, Though the seeds would look similar or identical to me, you know what it's going to do? It's going to produce a completely different kind of grass. So there's this, again, this principle that I want us to think about, and that is from this very little seed, an amazing transformation is going to take place. And yet what is brought from that seed will be consistent with what the seed was. I've never bought grass seed and walked outside and thought, where did the tomatoes come from? Why? Because in this transformation, that seed and what it transformed into stayed consistent. It was what it was, though the transformation from my perspective, was amazing to behold. Now, we'll get back to that in a couple of moments, but tonight I want us to think about something else, and then we'll move on. Have you ever thought about, just answer this question, have you ever thought about how vastly different the quality and the quantity of people's lives are in our world? Have you ever thought about that? The difference between a person's quantity and quality of life. Some people, for whatever reason, they pass from this life very early. Other people, they are able to live into their 70s, their 80s, their 90s, and, and maybe even to the point of reaching 100. And, and many times you can't really connect what the missing link is, why this person passed early and why this person was able to live a long and, and maybe fruitful life. Some people enjoy health. Some people enjoy prosperity. While other people have to deal with loss, they have to deal with struggles, they have to deal with, with poverty. It really is amazing when you think about how different 
everyone's existence is when you consider the big picture of things. Now tonight, again, we'll try to get back to that in a couple of moments if everything goes right. But remember that we're talking about the resurrection. This is the subject at hand. This is the subject that is being talked about by the Apostle Paul. So in verse number 35, here is what Paul says. In verse number 35, he said, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? So he said, here is this question that's been posed. Here is this question or these questions that have been kicked around. Some man will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Now, in and of itself, to just look at verse number 35 on its own, those appear to be what could be valid questions if there was someone struggling with the subject of the resurrection, right? The question of how is this going to happen? How is this going to take place? And then the question with what body or what are they going to look like when they do rise or when they are brought back from the dead? What's all this going to look like? Those would appear to be valid questions, would it not? Have you ever thought about the resurrection? Have you ever thought about the fact that one day you're going to die? And we don't know how long it'll be from the time of our death to the time of the resurrection. But have you ever thought, I wonder what it'll be like for me whenever I am risen from the dead? Am I going to be six foot seven? I don't know. Am I going to still have brown hair? Is it going to be thinning or will I get a full head of hair again? Some of my other physical flaws that I don't want to talk about right now. Will those be squared away? Will I finally get that six-pack that I've been, start to say, working for? I haven't been working for that all my life. But, yeah, I just want to get to heaven and just have this, you know. What will it be like? See, those are some of the questions that appear to be asked in verse number 35 by some of those in the church. How is this going to happen? And with what body do they come? What exactly takes place Are they going to be risen with an old body? Will it be with a young body? Will it be with a a, a struggled body? What exactly will it be? Okay, Because even in their day, here's what they realized. The quantity and the quality of a person's life varied dramatically. So there is this curiosity. How does it happen? And with what body do they come? What are they going to look like when they are risen from the dead? Now, again, that would appear to be honest, legitimate questions, but obviously they were not honest and legitimate questions because if you notice in verse number 36, here's what Paul said. Thou fool. Thou fool. What does it mean whenever he says thou fool? Well, the word fool means stupid. I I, I hate to be this blunt because there are some who don't like this kind of talk, especially from the pulpit, but it would be kind of like me or you saying, you idiot. You're asking this question or you're asking these questions. How is this going to happen and with what body will they come? You're stupid. It's almost as though the Apostle Paul is trying to remind them, as we talked about in previous sermons, uh, we've gone over this before. There is no reason, there is no excuse for you to be dealing with this, for you to be struggling with this, for you to be wrestling with this. So he says, you're fools, 
that you're still contemplating how this is going to happen and, and what it's going to look like. This is ridiculous. And so as we look at the next few verses, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see that the Apostle Paul doesn't really spend any time on how it's going to happen for this reason, I believe. Either you believe in the resurrection or you don't. Either you believe that this is it, that there's nothing more after this life, or you believe that there is a resurrection that will one day take place. But the Apostle Paul is going to spend some time on what it'll look like when it all takes place. So in verse number 36, he says, You're stupid, in our vernacular. And then he takes them to an illustration or to an agricultural thought that he wants to use to convey his, his thoughts. He says in verse number 36, That which thou sowest is not quickened or made alive, except it die. Now, I wish in nights like tonight I was more of a farmer or I had that more in my background, but I don't, okay? So I, I know I run the risk of saying some things that you may say, thou fool, you don't even know what you're talking about, all right? I understand it, though, to an extent, okay? He says of the resurrection, that which thou sowest or that which thou plantest is not quickened or made alive except it die. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying this from the agricultural sense, that seeds are not ever made alive, or seeds never produce anything unless first it dies. Now, I don't understand the whole process. I don't know how all of it takes place. But I understand this, that there is a transformation that takes place from that seed, whatever it may be, to becoming what it was designed to be. So in verse number 37, notice what he said after that. He said, And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain, it by chance of wheat or of some other grain. So what does this mean? All right. He said, That which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, or you're not looking to bury or sow what will be the final product. All right? So if I want grass to grow in my yard, I'm not planting grass by way of actual grass. I am planting not the final product or the body that shall be, but I am planting a seed, he says there in verse number 37, but bear grain, it, by, it made chance of wheat or of some other grain. Now what is he saying? He's just saying this about a truth, that what you sow, it is going to reap. So if you sow this particular kind of seed, it is going to grow a particular kind of product. If you plant this kind of seed, it's going to grow another kind of product. Whatever it be, whether it be wheat or grain or some other item, what you sow is what you are going to reap. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying this, that based on what is sown, what is planted, and what dies, what eventually comes forth it will be consistent with what it was originally. 
Does this make sense? You're not going to plant Bermuda and get fescue. You're not going to plant fescue and get an apple tree. You will get what is consistent with what is planted. But he says in verse number 38, But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. So see, here's what God has done. To every seed, God has determined what it will one day produce. So this seed will always produce this. This seed will always produce this. This seed will always produce this. Every seed is going to produce the the body that God has determined for it to be. So if we can keep all this straight, here's what we've got. We've got the Apostle Paul talking about the resurrection because some have said, how is it even going to happen? What kind of a body are they going to be raised up with? How is this going to happen? And Paul says, guys, you're stupid. We've been over this, and this is how it works. Except the seed dies, it will not be made alive. And whatever is planted, you don't plant the end result. That will come later but the seed will transform into something else that is consistent with itself, and that process really is an amazing thing. So if you think about this in light of the resurrection and the illustration that the Apostle Paul is trying to give, then I think this could be said of us. We don't know what the resurrection will look like for you and I, but it will be consistent with who we are as individuals. You understand this? I don't know exactly what I will look like in the resurrection. I don't know what my height will be. I don't know what my weight will be or would be if it wasn't on an angelic scale. I don't know what my size will be, what my appearance will be, what I'll look like, but it will be consistent to what I am, however God determines that to be. Now, in all reality, that's kind of a who cares point, right? Because once I get to heaven, I'm really not going to care what my size and shape is. Okay? I just know that somehow it will be consistent We will know, we will be known. Somehow, there's going to be a consistency between what we are now and what we will be then. But in that process, from our death being planted, you got to follow this, from the time that we die to the time of our resurrection, Though the resurrection, in that we will be consistent, there will also be an amazing transformation that takes place in our personal lives. Okay? Pretend you're a beautiful little seed. All right? You'll be planted one day. When the Lord returns and we rise to meet Him in the air... Somehow, we'll be consistent 
But in that moment, an amazing transformation will take place in our lives. So what kind of a transformation is going to take place? Well, notice in verse number 42. Skipping over a couple of verses, notice in verse number 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. What state are you and I currently in? We are currently in the state of corruption. What does it mean for you and I to be in a state of corruption? Well, here's what it means. It means this, that you and I are are living in a very uh, uh, weak, pathetic, decaying body that is not going to last forever. Right now, as you and I sit here, It does not matter how young we are. It does not matter how healthy we are. It does not matter how much strength we feel we have. Every one of us are inside a corruptible body. We're fading right now as we speak. Slowly, yes, but surely we are fading. These bodies, they get sick. These bodies, they get tired. These bodies, they grow old. These bodies, they lose their strength. These bodies only have so many miles on them. And then what happens? They come to a close, and they lay our body in the ground, right? That's when we're planted. When we rise, we will go from corruption... To incorruption. Now friends, that's a glorious transformation. There is coming a day, and I know you know this, but there is coming a day when our bodies will never hurt again. It's just not going to happen. We deal with it right now, but when the resurrection takes place and that seed that has been planted has now been quickened and now has been made alive once more, every pain that we have ever known before, it is all going to be gone and we're going to enjoy a body that never knows pain again. It is good. When the resurrection takes place, we will be raised in this incorruptible body that no longer knows sickness. I don't know about you, but that sounds somewhat enjoyable. I, 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 will, I will one day wake up from my sleep. I will one day wake up from this slumber called death. And whenever I do, there will never be sickness. There will never be pain. There will never be anything that I have to worry about. Now, I'm never going to twist wrong. I'm never going to say, oh, that hurt. Nothing is going to happen. I'll never say to anybody around me, man, I just don't have it like I used to. Now, listen, I don't expect us to get real excited about this, but I'm telling you, there are days that this does excite us more than others, is it? I mean, does it not? 
You know, if you're feeling pretty good, you're like, "Eh, who cares? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to live forever. First of all, no, you won't. And there will come a day that you live to regret those words. I remember whenever I was young, I thought everybody else may get old and weak and tired, but that won't happen to me. Well, guess what? I'm not old yet, and I'm not completely weak, and I'm not completely tired. I'm just saying I better understand it now, and it sounds a lot better than it used to. So this is the transformation that takes place. How will I be consistent with what I am now? I don't know. I just know that there will be a consistency, but there will be this great transformation at the time of the resurrection. I will go from the corruptible body, the state that I am in, to an incorruptible new state where I don't have to struggle with any of those items. Verse number 43, he said this, This is how it'll happen, and this is what it'll look like to some extent. It is sown in dishonor. It is sown in dishonor. Well, what is dishonor? Well, it would be the effects of you and I living in a sinful body. How many of us tonight are aware of the fact that we live in a sinful body? We've got sinful flesh that that we are enslaved to, that we are entrapped in. No matter how hard we strive to do everything right, what do we do? We do that which is wrong. Well, let me just throw some thoughts out here. Let me throw some ideas out here. and, and, And you just sit here and just see if this kind of relates to where you live, and if some of this sounds repetitive, I I sincerely apologize, okay? Let me ask you something. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm going to be nicer? You ever said that? I've been kind of rude lately. I've been kind of harsh lately. I've, I've been kind of difficult to be around lately, and I'm going to be a nicer individual. Have you ever said that? Okay, some of us have said it. Some of you need to say it, all right? I am going to be a nicer person. All right, so what do you do? You decide in that, in that moment to be a nicer person. And so for the next few minutes, what do you do? You work really hard at it. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. I'm, going to, I'm just going to be a nice, nice person. I'm going to be different than what I've ever been before. I'm just going to be nice. And then something happens. And what are you? You're a jerk, right? And then you're saying to yourself, oh man, I was going to be nice. Why was I a jerk? Because we've got this sinful body. How many of you have ever said things like this? I'm not going to say that anymore. Those words are not going to come out of my mouth anymore. I'm never going to gossip again. I'm never going to talk bad about anyone again. I have learned my lesson. I am not going to say that kind of stuff anymore. Nope, 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 not me. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to find the good in people. And if I can't say something nice, I'm not going to say anything at all. Have you ever come to that conclusion in your life? Some of us have. And then what happens? You're saying things you ought not say. You're being critical. You're gossiping. You're talking about people behind their back. And you say to yourself, why am I still doing this? For this reason, we have been sown in dishonor. 
We are in a sinful flesh that we cannot escape. And so whenever you and I try our best to be nice, whenever you and I try to to speak kindly to people, whenever you and I try to get our priorities in order and we're going to do everything we're supposed to do, it still doesn't work out the way we assumed it was going to work out because of this newfound effort on our part. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I may not have hit your struggle, but you've got struggles that you're tired of dealing with, don't you? I don't want to deal with this. I'm tired of struggling with this. I'm going to stop it. I'm getting victory. I'm praying about it, and God's going to help me. And then you find yourself not getting victory. Why is it? Because you're dishonorable. Just like I'm dishonorable. But he said in verse number 43, it is raised in glory. We go to the grave dishonorable. We are raised in this glorified body that is now what? No longer dishonorable. Which means it is no longer affected by the curse of sin. See, here's something to look forward to. One day you and I will be nice. We'll be nice all the time. Now, it'll help that nobody is doing stupid things around us to make us mad, which we'd all be nice now if nobody ever did anything dumb around us, but but it's it's always their fault. But I'm just saying, there is coming a day when you and I will never have to apologize again for being mean to someone. Sounds good. There is coming a day no words will come out of my mouth that I shouldn't have said. I like that. There is coming this amazing transformation that one day I'll never struggle with my thoughts again. You ever struggle with your thoughts? Your desires, your wants? I'm sown in dishonor, but I'll be raised in glory. He said, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It's very similar to the idea of being corruptible and incorruptible. This body is weak, is it not? This body is frail. This body, as I've already mentioned, only has so many miles on it. It, It's not a lifetime warranty. It's going to fail and break down on us. It is going to betray us. But he said, it is going to be raised in power. One day we'll not have to worry about it anymore. He said in verse number 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. One day... We are going to shed this sinful flesh that we've got. And somehow, as the seed dies and it brings forth in the resurrection this life, it is going to bring forth an amazing, transformed individual. That being you and I. Now tonight, 
I don't know how you can be encouraged by this. I don't know how you might be challenged by this. I don't know what you may take home with you this evening. As I've already mentioned, I know sometimes that certain truths mean more to us at different times. So you may sit here this evening and say, that doesn't excite me a whole lot. That doesn't thrill me a whole lot right now. That doesn't encourage me a whole lot right now. I understand it may not, but I promise you there will come a day when this reminder does encourage you and it does bless you and it does challenge you and it gives you the strength that you need because if we can remember that one day everything is going to be different that can give us something to look forward to now that doesn't mean we just sit back and we don't work on things because hey i'm in a sinful body so i'm just you know destined to be a jerk and whatever it may be But what I'm saying is this, with all of our struggles, with all of our trials, with everything that we deal with, with every sin that doth beset us, here is what we can know. In this resurrection, I'm going to be given a perfect body, whatever that looks like. It'll be consistent with who we are and what we are now. Because it's just like a seed. It always bears what it is. So we'll be consistent, whatever that looks like. You may say, I don't want to look like this in eternity. Just just let God deal with that, all right? Whatever you are, it'll be perfect because that'll be what God designed it to be. And whenever we rise from the grave, whenever we rise from the dead... I'll have an eternal body that will have no faults, that will have no flaws, that will have no imperfections, that will have no weaknesses, that has no disease, that has nothing that we have to worry about. We will get a perfect body with a sinless nature. There's coming a day we'll never have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. There's coming a day we'll never have to go to that individual and say, I apologize, shouldn't have said it, shouldn't have done it. Something to say, Lord, I'm not trying to rush the process, but it's something I'm looking forward to. And it's something to be encouraged by. It's something to be excited about because we can know those who have gone on before us, guess what? Their their fight is done, their struggle is done, and, and they're awaiting what will be that glorified spiritual body. And that's what we have to look forward to. I hope it helps us. I I don't know if it does or not, but I hope it does. It'll be consistent, but it'll be an amazing transformation because of the power of God. So how about this? Let's not be stupid. All right? And uh, let's, let's rest in that, knowing that God will be faithful to do what he said. Let's all stand this evening and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us to be men and women who recognize the truth of the resurrection and what that will entail for us. Lord, I know that sometimes we look at these bodies and we realize that they're falling apart. They're not holding up like they once did. We see the weakness. We we, we know the sickness that we're dealing with. And, Lord, we know just how frail we are when it comes to doing right in the times that we ought and how many times we struggle. 
I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to see the wonderful transformation that will take place one day, to be encouraged by that and to look forward to it. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.